Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Man, so excited to be with you all today and see several new faces today. So may the Lord bless you here today. Yeah. It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. Amen. We're prioritizing God's presence this year, amen? Putting all focus on it, amen. Amen. So children can be released, and um, may the Lord bless you in that. So today, the Lord, uh, I think, laid on my heart, to, and it's one of those messages where it might not be unorthodox, might not have so much structure, but I believe there's a main theme in it. And I know that a few months ago, uh, I shared about about what we call small, or that the kingdom of God is in a lot of little things that we do. Um, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he says, the kingdom of God is like, and here they were expecting something huge, like kingdom of God. I mean, it's going to be massive, you know. And, and he's like, it's going to be like, starts like a mustard seed. And, you know, all this build up, and they were like, I thought we were going to rule with you. I thought we, we got this. Jesus, you came. You know, uh, all the people have been uh, pressuring us for many years, like the Israelites, you know, were, they were continuously attacked by the Phoenicians, you know, and things like that. You know, Philistines, we're looking through the history. And um, but then, you know, and it, the whole Bible talks about leading up prophetically uh, about the son that's going to come, the, the Redeemer, right? And he's going to bring his kingdom here. Amen. And so... And once the kingdom of God comes into our life, it impacts everything that we do, amen? How we talk, um, how we talk to our coworkers, how we talk to our children, how we discipline our children. All those little things that we call little, they're not little, they're big, okay? And so I'm excited to share this with you. So the message title today for me is called What We Call Small. <laughs> and may that just title itself preach to you, Okay. And uh, I'm going to use several scriptures, might bounce back and forth, put in the little, uh, what do you call those, rabbit trails, but I think they're all connected. <laughs> all right, so 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting with verse 1, we're going to read through 11. And so here's God talking to Samuel. So the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as a king of Israel? And some of this will be familiar to, we've read this. Uh, area before recently fill your horn with oil so God is telling uh, Samuel to do this fill your horn with oil and be on your way I am saying sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem I have chosen one of his sons to be king but Samuel said how can I go if Saul hears about it he will kill me I mean Saul is currently the king all right <laughs> The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. Jesse is the, the, the house of the house of Jesse, okay? This is where he's going to see the boys. Um, and I will show you what to do. And I like that. God sense. He doesn't give any deals. He's just like, you just do this. Just be obedient in that little thing. Just go. <laughs> and I will show you what to do when you get there. Um, don't you just love God? <laughs> he's doesn't give us the specifics. He just says, you just do that little thing. Just go, okay? And uh, you are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel, uh, I mean, uh, verse 4. Samuel did not 
Samuel did what the Lord said. So again, obedience right away. Whatever you say, God, okay. Uh, even though he was fearing the fear, right? He said, what if the king finds out he's going to kill me? So when he arrived to Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. Um, this is prophet Samuel coming. He's the only prophet. Everybody knows him. He's highly respected. They're like, uh-oh, prophets in town. Um, they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So looks like it's all done, right? Everybody's there. He consecrated his sons. Verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, hmm, surely the Lord anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height or his looks. <laughs> I added that a little bit. For I have rejected him. Wow. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Oh, I love this. This is the cream of the crop. <laughs> the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Yes. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Running out of options right here. Verse 9, Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. So what's going on here? It's like, Lord, you sent me here. Yeah. I just looked at the best boys, you know. Because, I mean, if you think about it, King Saul, I mean, he was, he was a big guy. He was a warrior from young. And so, you know, obviously Samuel has a, an idea what the king should be, you know, big dude, like probably strong, right? Verse 10, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord had not chosen these. <laughs> I love this. I just really got in the position of Samuel, prophet Samuel. I was like, Lord, is that you speaking to me? Maybe it's just my thoughts. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? So, because they all went, sank, uh, you know, got, uh, they all came and did the whole ceremony together. You know, con Samuel consecrated them. Um, and then Jesse answers, there's still the youngest. Jesse answered, he is tending the sheep. He's not even part of this whole thing that's happening, right? But he's one of his sons. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. I love it. I love what God does, right? Um, let's have a quick word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you for your powerful word. And I just pray that you would illuminate it for us today. Lord, may we leave here like we've never, not the same way we came in, Lord. Let this word transform us, change us, for Lord, for the better, so that we may be able to grow in you, to walk with a kingdom-minded heart, and being servants to wherever we're at, Lord. Thank you. Amen. All right. So when Samuel entered Bethlehem, it says that the elders trembled. They were, you know, he was a highly respected man. And uh, Samuel states that he comes in peace, you know, to bring sacrifice to the Lord. Um, Samuel comes in peace, but the situation is chaotic, actually. Um, but peace is not a circumstance for the child of God, right? It is part of our inheritance. Because when Jesus came, so he's the prince of peace. 
And now we walk with that Prince of Peace. That means you can have peace in the midst of a storm. And it doesn't matter. That's why, if you think about it, in the New Testament, right? They were going through the storm. And what was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. Okay? You can have peace, that kind of peace that everything is just, everybody's worried and panicking and pandemic, whatever it may be. And you're just like, man, isn't God good? (laughs) So, peace Uh, is part of your birthright to have peace even in the most unthinkable problems you know that's how believers us believers we can suffer a loss in the family and have peace and it doesn't make sense it's because it says a peace that transcends all understanding right and what does it do it says it will guard your heart and that's the most important thing meaning your mind okay your heart your conscience all right but I love uh, how the emphasis says the Lord does not look at what people look at, right? Uh, and uh, that means even in the situation or looking into somebody at a person, okay? We write off people so quickly. Sometimes somebody pulls up and you're like, no, oh, the person is a junkie. And you talk to him. Maybe he's a human being. But as soon as they open up and then you, they, you allow them to open their door and they start talking to you and you're like, man, this person really needs healing. He needs some love, <laughs> Maybe everybody's doing what you you initially first thought, you know, came like, hey, what an interesting person. Uh, I mean, I see that in the self-storage industry where I work for my brother, you know, different customers, all sorts of things. And then there's people that come in looking so nice, pull up on nice vehicles and everything like that. And you're like, man, these people have it together. You see husband and wife walk in and they're holding hands. They're like, yeah, we're so happy. And then uh, six months later, one of them shows up like, we're going through a divorce. So, um, again, I want to challenge you today not to look at appearances. And I think that's what God is trying to do here. He is doing some deeper stuff in people, okay? And I'm going to jump a little bit more into that. But, so our perspective is a very, very important thing, how we look at things. Um, for example, the other day, uh, Alita saw a $20 bill, and she was like, wow, it's a lot of money, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah, it is. From her perspective, I mean, her little pouch that she has with a little bit of cash, you know, she has $9.20. I actually <laughs> keep in tabs. Um, you know, and so, but her perspective, you know, when she sees that one time she saw a $100 bill, she's like, Dad, is that even real? A hundred? Like, what is, that's a lot, <laughs> you know? So, again, perspective. I remember uh, meeting a friend in college. I when I first went to Seattle. And whenever you show up to big cities, you know, you're, you're a small town boy. You kind of, you're like, you kind of, in some ways, you frown upon the, you know, city folk. Because you're like, man, you guys are too cocky and all this stuff, you know. I am humble. I am humble. I'm a simple guy. <laughs> but then I realized that I was doing the same thing. I was actually being <laughs> confident over other people. Because we get it, you know. You folks don't get it in the city. But anyways, I connected with this guy, and we were talking about the size of our towns. We're like, you from Little Town? He's like, yeah. And I forgot the town. Uh, it was from Maine. He was from Maine. And we were talking a little bit about each other's towns. And I said, you know, um, yeah, we have this. We got a store there, cars, you know. And uh, it was that during that time they just built Fred Meyer. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, wow, you guys got more than one store. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And... Um, and he's like, what's the population? It was like, well, 5,000 within the city limits. During that time, I think that was around that number, and I just yeah. threw it out there. 
I'm not sure if I exactly knew, but I just wanted to feel confident, you know. But I'm like, yeah, like around 5,000 people, then city limits. And then he says, well, I thought you, you said your town was small. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, okay, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, I mean, like, my town population is 15. And I'm like, what do you mean, like 1,500? That's not, yeah, it's small, but it's pretty. He's like, no, like 15 people. <laughs> it's like grandma runs one of the stores, and, you know, and then there's another family that lives there, just a small town on the way somewhere, and He's like, yeah. And so, well, I guess it's pretty small. <laughs> 15 people versus 5,000, right? So things uh, can appear small, but it depends on what frame of reference you're looking from, okay? So today, I want to talk about what we call small, right? And, um, and what we call small is based on what we have seen before. Again, we, we like to compare it to something that we've previously seen, and we're like, yeah, I think this makes sense when you start comparing it because your understanding of this situation, you've already been similar. So you always try to look through the lens of what you already went through. Anyways, we'll start making sense as we go on. Um, but the reality is this, what we call small is big to God. Okay? Again, and I reference again about the seed. All right? Remember, God is comparing the kingdom of God to a mustard seed, something very small. And here we can see this in the passage today that I'm reading. Okay? But also, the flip side of what we call big is also God considers small. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. And the people like that are trying to build, you know, here on earth, like just everything. Uh, I like that Michael pointed out during the prayer. He said, you know, Lord, it's just the society teaches me, 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 myself, better myself, you know, all for me, 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 me. It's always about me, me. And, um, and, but, and then people save up here, things on, you know, on earth, but they're not great to God. <laughs> so what we call small, God calls big. What we call big, God calls small. And that's a lot of times you'll notice that in your life, you know. For example, what, what you call a short sermon <laughs> depends what church you grew up in, right? Um, like in Baptist churches, you know, preacher gets like 12 minutes. And uh, <laughs> if you grew up in a Pentecostal church like me, like the whole 15 minutes is like the introduction. Wow. Uh, so again, it's your perspective, right? What, you, uh, what's, what you're uh, reminded of. So here's an important question I wanted to ask. So what is your frame of reference uh, when you consider uh, the challenges that were set before you in your life? The gifts that God has given you, all right, that he's, he has placed inside of your heart. And every one of us carries a different gift. And the resources that you have during this season that God has given you. So what do we do with what we have? Amen. So when I preached this text before about, you know, Saul um, and David, um, I only talked about David's perspective. And for some reason, when I was reading this, uh, and I'm like, I've never approached it from Samuel's perspective, just what's going on through his mind. And I'll touch a little bit on that as well. And it's easy to preach, you know, because... Uh, we're talking about, you know, a boy coming from a shepherd and becoming a king. Um, it's the same with, you know, we look at the, through history of the Bible, you know, like Joseph, you know, he was a slave, you know, and then he became, you know, he went from rags to riches kind of because the brothers abandoned him, they threw him in the hole, and he goes from pit to the palace, you know, things like that. They, they look like they're little proverbs almost or like a parable, right? And um, where we are taught like, 
to be faithful and little and God will reward you, you know, with so much. Uh, and I believe that is true. If we embrace with little that we have that God has given us and use it wisely, it will multiply. Amen. Um, some say, oh, Vic, here's the prosperity gospel. Have you been around the church, folks? You know that. You hear it. And people say, blab it and grab it, you know. See it and say it. <laughs> like, claim it. <laughs> so, um, but I'm talking about important principle of life. What we invest, to, like, even if it's little, right, it will increase. Uh, people that do stock market or whatnot, you understand that aspect. Sometimes you'll get a share that is, like, so cheap, and you buy it, and then it quadruples or whatever. You know, people with Dogecoin, if you're following the news, whatever that happened with that, right? So anyways, you understand. So what we invest to, into, like whether it's our little children, it will increase. The more time you spend focused on your relationship and your marriage, your marriage will flourish. You know what I mean? So it, it works like that with every little thing. You know, if you are going to be a devout, faithful employer, the chances are you will increase in that position. Not always. Be faithful. So in Samuel 16, we read about a boy doing an insignificant task uh, that God called him up. You know, God called David uh, for life of importance. And again, the kingdom of God is in doing little things. You know, it always starts out small. And let me read it because I know I've quoted it a few times, but Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 30 through 32. And this will give us a good um, reminder again. So Mark 4... 30 through 32. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? All right. Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed. And mustard seed is very small. And it says, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. But here's the key. Yet when planted. So again, the, the Lord is saying to you, you have something little that God has given you. A little talent or a little that you're able to do something and serve someone. God says, like, well, why don't you plant that? Why don't you have that little thing that God has given you, that gift, and use it and see what happens. And I love that. Yet when planted, I love it. It says, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden, uh, of all garden plants. It's about investment, right? With such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. I mean, your little thing that God has given you, a talent or a, a servant, and everybody has got a gifting of itself. God is saying, you can do so much with that if you're just faithful in it, okay? Yeah. But that's the thing uh, about the kingdom of God. Often what God is uh, doing in our life, it seems insignificant. They're all starts with I, so it's easy to remember. So insignificant. Then it goes into the soil, right? Parable. Of, so it goes into the ground where it's invisible. That's your second eye. And the third one is, uh, and then when God is doing the most amount of work in our lives, oftentimes we feel uh, ignorant about it, okay? It's your third eye. So, and so the kingdom of God is not based on our emotions. Uh, you know, people, I'm sorry if people that need goosebumps to feel that God is working <laughs> greatest in your life. You know, it's not true. A lot of times you're just like in the middle of investments, whoever is a builder here. I know we got Peter and a few guys probably that built before. And you know what it's like in the middle of your thinking, like you don't have anything because everything you have is invested, right? And you just put it all in and you just trust that the process is going to go smooth and you're going to be able to sell it. All right. So same thing that happens with the kingdom of God when we invest a little bit, when we invest in your child, when you invest this time that you spend with them doing a little prayer before bed. It seems small to you, but it's big to God. 
Children remember the littlest words from the very early on, okay? And start telling them early on. Just, just start claiming it over them, amen? So, but it all starts with something. It starts with a small step, right? So it's the obedience in the little decisions. There's a popular phrase. I'm going to try to remember how it goes. It says, a journey of 1,000 miles begins with one step or first step or single step? One step. Singles, all's good. <laughs> we get the point. <laughs> Starts with something, right? If you don't move, you're not going to be able to go into your next area where God is doing. If you, there's a desire that a God has placed within you, if you're not going to do anything about it, it's not going to happen. You can dream all you want. You know, there's some people that um, uh, you meet them, you know them. They're like in, investors, uh, inventors in their mind. And they're always like, oh, yeah, you know, I would totally do this. I would do that. And they come up with everything, and they talk about it, but they don't put anything to work, you know. Kind of this time God is saying, like, hey, you have that little thing that you've had for a long time. Start to, start to put it to work and see what I can do through it. That's what God is telling that to us today, right? But it started with David being faithful in little tasks and, like, taking food to his brothers. That was his little task, before he, slew, uh, before he met Goliath, he had no clue that's what was ahead of him, and that's what he had, had to do. That's his first step. But he had to take that food to his brothers. So next time you're doing something very small and it seems insignificant, think about the kingdom of God, okay? That little thing that you're doing right now or that food that you took care, you know, you wanted to brought food to a family or you went and just paid for somebody, you know, you, you never know. You never know what can happen. And only later we'll understand. Uh, you know, Joseph didn't start in Pharaoh's court, right? He was faithful in the little task and eventually led him to Pharaoh's palace. And he became like the right-hand man after Pharaoh. Prophet Samuel himself, okay, since I'm bringing him up, right? He was a servant to Eli, okay? He was just faithful doing little tasks, opening the doors and things like that. And then during that time, it says the word of uh, the Lord was rare, right? And then five chapters later, we're reading, it says, the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. How cool is that? I mean, if that doesn't motivate you to say that you need to be faithful in the season that you're in right now in your life, whether that's with your job or whether that is, uh, you know, with your marriage, wherever it may be, if you guys decided, you, husband and wife decided to do the little tasks to improve your marriages, those are great. Put emphasis on that. See what God can do through you. Amen? So, Look where God sent Samuel. Uh, and I want to point that out. It's very significant. He sent him to Bethlehem. We understand that Bethlehem is a very popular town. I mean, the name Jesus came from Bethlehem, right? Yeah. And we were just discussing that. Uh, but there was this thing. They actually even, uh, in Judea, they actually had a phrase. They made fun of uh, Bethlehem. Um, and they had this phrase called, like, uh, I said, can anything good come out of Bethlehem? Uh, another translation, another passage says uh, Nazareth. It was like considered a hillbilly town, you know, like just simple folk. But um, that's my translation. I apologize. But um, <laughs> you understand. But what good can come out of that? Even one of the disciples, when he, they were first talking to him in John, I think, 146, he said, what good can come from Bethlehem? All right. So um, understanding this uh, depends on our understanding of the context. And I want to bring this up, very important, about Bethlehem. I want to bring that as an example. In Micah, prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And this is 
tells you about the heart of God. And the heart of God is in the little things, okay? What we call small. <laughs> Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, uh, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel. Whose origins are of um, are from of old, from ancient times. So Jesus, he was there from the beginning with his father, you know, right? And this is of old, ancient times. And again, how he decides to enter into this world is not through some, you know, royalty family. We just we, we were just you know celebrating Christmas time, right? He goes and is like, oh Mary, this gal nobody knows. I'm going to come into this world through this gal. <laughs> and then let's choose Joseph to, to be his dad, a wood carpenter, you know, a framer, whatever. You understand God's perspective, right? And I love that and how God decides. But from the beginning of time, God said, I'm about little things. I'm all about humility and small things, okay? Now, so we're thinking like, oh, I'm a small one, you know. Yes, you, the one with GED, all right? <laughs> It's, it's interesting because uh, the term itself uh, in Micah 5.2, and it says it's like tiny or trifling. Um, or another version like be deep in the backwoods. That is, you know, we're talking about it's something so insignificant, okay? A place where God would rise up uh, a savior to change the world. So he's taking, we're talking about this little town Bethlehem, and God is like, this is where it starts. So this is the same town we're, we're talking of going back to time right now again, where David is living, this little small town, okay? And this is where God wants to raise up a king. Kind of reminds me of just what Jesus did with the, in the New Testament. But there's the character of God as you read the Bible, you, you start seeing that. So what, what is the principle that we see at work here? God brings great things from things that we call small, okay? Uh, this is my whole message. <laughs> if you need to leave right now, you can. <laughs> God brings great things from things that we call small. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. Now, the devil tries to tell us that Ephesians 3.20 is not true, that little things are insignificant. And in Ephesians 3.20, uh, for those that, um, that may not have it remembered, but it says, not to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power, that is at work within us. He can do great things. In other words, that things have potential to get bigger, better, and deeper. Okay? Again, I don't know why maybe the Holy Spirit is just reminding me today to remind that. God is saying, just because the last 10 years of your marriage were average, God is like, no. It's never too late. Things can get better in all aspects. Your relationship with your children, it can get better. Okay, so God can do a lot measurably more because it says he is the one that's working within us. But we need to get him inside our system. We need to get him into our daily life that we're able to walk and carry his kingdom. Amen. So what we call small now, like I remember just what I call small now, I called impossible a few years ago. Um, I'm like, I never thought I'd be able to preach. Honestly, I'm just being honest thoughts. Like, I was like, I don't have it. <laughs> I'm a small little guy. And I'm like, Lord. <laughs> um, but while, while we're in the middle of that situation, when things begin to take place, 
you know? Um, it seems impossible, right? To some, coming to church today is a little thing. But let me just say, it's not a little thing. It's, it's a very big thing. It's the little disciplines that give you great victories. It's the same with your diet. New Year's, new resolution. People are like, man, I'm going to do this. Well, start small. <laughs> For some people, they just go radical change, and your body's like, I, I can't do that. You know, start little disciplines. Start going to uh, sleep half an hour earlier. You know, don't just be all dramatic. <laughs> little things. Start, if you can't read, read one verse in the Bible, you know, before you go to bed. It's the little things that make the greatest impact. And this is where we start to develop. If you're a parent, you know what it's like. If you start when they're little, brushing their teeth, they eventually start catching on to it. And then they start reminding you that, like, hey, you need to brush my teeth. So little disciplines bring great victories. Amen? So the highlight in Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, is not only where it happened, which is Bethlehem, okay? And it's not even about who it happened to, which is David, right? But also no doubt who it happened through, okay? Which is Samuel. And Samuel was a prophet. That's how the scripture tells us, right? But he was never referred to uh, as priest. He served under priest Eli. But here we see him float in multiple roles. <laughs> like maybe some of you are doing, you know, trying to be like a son, a student, a parent, a boss, a pastor, whatever. So, um, but there's a change that is happening that is beyond Samuel. And I wanted to point out, uh, this is my second passage, uh, primary one, 1 Samuel chapter 15. And I'll read a little bit here. So here, God is talking to Samuel. He said, enough, Samuel said to Saul. So, okay, um, I'm sorry, Samuel is talking to Saul. He's confronting him, and here's the whole, God is speaking like, hey, you're getting moved out because you've been disobedient, and God has already somebody else in mind. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Went on the mission to the Lord assigned me. Um, oh, he said, I went on the mission that the Lord has assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. But here's the thing. And brought back Agag, their king. Uh, them to the Lord, your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as the king. So God is saying this to prophet Samuel, to King Saul. He's like, your time is done. And he's like, but I did everything. But he's like, no, but you took those little things that you shouldn't have taken. You know, you should have wiped out everything. Again, the focus is on the little things, okay? <laughs> King Saul was like, it's not a big deal. I'm going to just take a little bit of this, a little bit of that from here, for myself, whatever. Again, the focus is in the little things. So, but God has uh, prompted Saul, right, uh, beyond his own perspective of himself, in other words. Um, and this became a problem become, because Saul now becomes very impulsive. Um, 
He's doing uh, things that make sense rather than what pleased God. Uh, he, uh, going by what he saw rather than what he heard, right? Leading by his senses and not by his spirit. So he's pretty much right now making more messes than he cleaned up. And uh, it's kind of tearing down more than he built. So this is a good instruction for us when we find ourselves living in the roles that we aren't supposed to be living in. I want to point that out because... God has given us a role, and even within each marriage. You know, husband and wife are different. They carry different roles, but they bring very, a lot of significance to the marriage together, right? God didn't make us all like robots. It was one of the Pastor Mark's messages. Loved it. He's like, we are not robots. <laughs> God has given us all roles and has given us little gifts, and he wants us to be part and bring it in together into the family. Amen. It works in family, and it works in church family here as well. And that's why we're implementing this Own It Sunday. We're trying to get, get all, everybody engaged here, and that you're not just coming, and next time you come in, you're serving. You're yeah. greeting somebody by the door, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. Okay. First Samuel 16, we find God is removing Saul from his position of authority. And the transition, although it's not immediate, but it's already beginning to happen. God has already told Samuel to go anoint David. Um, and God pretty much is telling Samuel, I'm done with Saul. You know, not everyone, and he, people won't get it probably at first because he's removing the king, right? And I understand from a perspective of Samuel, right? Think about it. He invested a lot into Saul, trying to coach him, um, trying to correct him. Um, and then there's time where God just got tired of Saul uh, before even Samuel did. And sometimes God takes things out of your life, and I want to use this as an example, uh, while we're still trying to hold on to it. And God is like, it's, it's time to let this go. You know, you got to remove this out of your life. I want to see you flourish, right? So where God is asking Samuel, he's saying, how long will you mourn over what I have rejected? He's talking about Saul. He's like, hey, you know, it's time to move on. And uh, so God tells Samuel to go to Bethlehem, right? The smallest place and says just such a small thing, insignificant task, it seems like. Samuel, to fill your horn with oil. So this is where, this is signifying that there's a coming anointing, or signifying the anointing um, of change, you know, to anoint the next king. All right. So small act by Samuel, but not only pointing towards David, but also the family um, line that created the Messiah. So out of, we know, if we're reading through the scripture, Jesus came in the line from David, from here. Again, Bethlehem, small town. So there's a lot of greater things that are happening, but it starts with small tasks. So think about the weight, right, that Samuel is carrying. He's like, wow, I'm about to anoint a man, and through that man, there's going to be, further on, there's going to be a king, a savior of the world. So, and, um, but what I'm, I'm amazed by, and I've pointed out a little bit in the beginning, that it's interesting that Samuel was sent to Bethlehem, but who he was going to pick uh, for the next king, he didn't tell him, right? Kind of an important little detail that God left out. <laughs> um, where God wanted to go through, uh, go through the process of illumination and before getting to David. No, not this guy. No, nope, something's not right. Next guy. So here, <laughs> Samuel, I can imagine Samuel's already starting to worry. Like, what's going on? Lord, you told me to do this. I'm faithful. But sometimes God will take us right through the process of illumination. And um, we shouldn't get frustrated when first we start to do something. Like whether that made a decision to 
um, go to church or made a decision that you're going to pray before bed. Let's just say that, right? Um, and don't get frustrated when first time things don't work. It's like if you're a parent, if you don't get frustrated if your child doesn't get it at first, right? So, and this is uh, another emphasis here. It's like don't crown the first thing you see, <laughs> right? So Samuel is standing there like, that must be the guy. Nope, that's not it. So wait for David. That's how people get in bad relationships, by the way. They don't wait. They're like, hey, pretty, pretty good looking dude. Yeah, he must be it, you know. <laughs> when you're younger, you're like, that's it. I'm going to marry them. <laughs> so don't crown the first thing you see. Man, that's another uh, point in here. So if Samuel just went home, think about it, right? With Saul remaining as the king, um, I'm thinking, wow, the Israel would have perished, right? God always wanted to be their king, um, but they were just like, they were used to the worldly system. They're like, no, we need a king. We need an actual guy who can protect us. So, um, and so when Samuel is carrying this great burden, I, start, I put myself in the position of Samuel. Here he is. He's coming to the location. And he's like not sure what's going to happen, right? He has to carry this burden. And, but it seems small, right? We, uh, as people, we have two tendencies, uh, all of us as humans. We dramatize, okay, <laughs> to make things bigger than they really are, like, this is the worst day of my life. Yeah. Like, no one said hi to me today. <laughs> Everybody seemed angry. Or what we do is the other aspect of it is we downplay it. Like, oh, that? That didn't bother me. And we kind of, like, just, you know, disregard it. And so we go to these extremes as human. Like, um, somebody said that to me. Like, no, not going to bother me. And then later inside, you're like, oh, God, this is hard. <laughs> right? So there's no 11th commandment that says, thou shall not be offended, okay, or disappointed. <laughs> there is none, okay? Um, because, in fact, John, uh, in John chapter 16, um, there's a warning. Jesus is warning, 1633. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And I like this. this Jesus is warning us, hey, I get it. While you're here on earth in this sinful world, you have trouble. You have some very... Fun co-workers, <laughs> very, you know, sincere employees, whatever. He's saying, you will have trouble in here, right? But I like that he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he said, don't worry about it, but you can overcome the world because I have overcome the world, okay? So in our journey as adults, we have to learn to uh, not to dramatize or to downplay. Um, this is what, you know, God is telling Saul. It's like, how long will you mourn over this, right? So at, at some point, at the same time, I want to be very realistic, we need to put things in their perspective. Uh, sometimes it truly is. You can just say, hey, man, that, that sucked. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that sucked when they lied to me, you know, and, uh, or they stabbed me in the back, or, man, that really stunk, you know, when, they, when I gave so much into the relationship, but I didn't get anything in return, right? So we have to be realistic. And God, God wants us to be real with him, okay? So don't downplay it and don't over-dramatize, amen? In this world, you will have trouble. So that's my little trail here. But I wanted to point that out. We have tendency to make big what God calls small and to make small what God calls big. The key point also here is to never diminish anyone else's pain. Uh, last week, I talked an example saying, for example, a child. 
they go through a little heartbreak or whatever, they're like fifth grade or they fell in love with someone. That's a big thing to him. Like, don't just say, ah, kid, you'll love another 25 girls since, you know, whatever. Hear him out. <laughs> Those little things are important. You have the little conversation with your child is very important, okay? So never diminish anyone else's pain. Um, everybody takes the situation in different perspectives, right? If you're in management, I know a few of us, like, for example, Mark, my other friend, Schmidt, he, he, you know, he talks to different people. He's got a way with people, you know? <laughs> There's some people that come in and they're like, they're like, oh, can't, we can't believe it, like a flat tire. And they'll over-dramatize, and he'll be like, don't worry about it. We'll take care of you, you know? <laughs> Praise God for Mark. You're preaching the gospel just through your <laughs> heart. So never over here we see an example. It says, don't downplay somebody else's pain, right? Here's Samuel. It's, it's a little thing, but it's, he's carrying that weight, okay? So we see a simple act, like anointing with oil, and it's a lot bigger than just what Samuel at the moment is fully understanding, and when we experience something great, oftentimes we just want to downplay it because um, our instinctive behavior, uh, I guess the best way I can explain it is like it makes you feel safe and less exposed when you're like, eh, I'm a nobody. Uh, see, the problem is, though, the Christ is within you. <laughs> I struggle with that, too, for the longest time. I'm, I'm a nobody, but Christ is like, well, you're more than conqueror in me. Change your perspective. Okay? Last week we talked about being a helmet of salvation. Guard your thoughts. Okay? And when we put down what God has made great, we, we kind of insult the manufacturer. It's one of the key components I want to encourage you um, in, in stepping into your victory in your life. It's changing your perspective of yourself. Because you have to understand that God made you. So when you're saying that you suck... And that you're not, not good enough, or maybe you were told when you were little, you need to stop that and start reading what the Bible tells about you. Amen? Amen. So, there's a great passage for, about this, not to downplay yourself. Let me read that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You, all of us, me. <laughs> Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Nobody. <laughs> no. Instead, they put it on the stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. It gives light to everywhere you go. You are the vessel you're carrying of the kingdom of God. Amen? <laughs> Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. It's not a, it's not a little thing. You... For example, just being encouraging rather everybody saying, oh, you know my marriage or, you know my wife or, you know my husband. I don't know why southern accent came up on me. Um, <sighs> Seriously, it, that's true though, right? You go in this world and it's like a standard. It's almost normal. You watch every movie and you see these women sitting there together. Um, Fireproof did a great job with it. And it shows the scene of ladies, like husband and wife, got in an argument, they get in the fight, and then here they are, the ladies are sitting and they're drinking wine, and they're like, oh, screw him, he's so bad, you're right, you know, and then they show an image of men also talking about his wife sitting there, it's like, man, I can't believe this, you know, she said this to me, and so see, that's the world's standards, yeah. well, if you want to have marriages like in this world, 
You want to have children that are raised without the fear of God? Do it. Do, do, what, do, do what the society tells you to do. Or you can be different, amen? That's why I love what Larissa is doing with the ladies sharing this. Because there is things, there's, there's a blessing when we learn to do things godly way. There's God's standards, okay? okay? God has placed every role for a purpose in our marriages, amen? He has given the role for children, and how as parents we need to treat our children, how we raise them. So it's very important that we point that out, right? By doing so, we're shining the light, okay? <laughs> this is what makes you different. And not only that, you, what you do is when you hear something that it's somebody like bashing on his wife or bashing on her husband, you're like, well, I love my husband. Yeah. You hear that a lot later? Be different, amen? And see what happens. And all of a sudden they're like, man, I don't know. I want to be like him. I wonder, he must have found a, some fountain of, I don't know, some magic. How can you get your marriage after 30 years to such a next level? Amen? Amen? Hey, look, I wasn't planning to talk a lot about this kind of things, but I feel like when the Holy Spirit prompts you, I got to share it, right? So we're letting our light shine, and that's how we are bringing the kingdom of God to earth, right? Let your light shine. It says you're the light to this world. Amen? You are the salt to this earth, and you go and you make a difference. That's how we spread the gospel. Amen? Amen. So that's why it's very important. I want to point that, that don't put yourself down in order for God to be big. Okay? Because for the longest time, I struggled that because I couldn't differentiate. Because humility is different than putting yourself down. I always thought that me putting myself down, that I'm a nobody, I'm a wretched man, whatever... Those are all true things, right? But when I started changing perspective, not how I see myself, but how God sees myself, I started to understand that I can become a great victor. I can become and I can overcome these things that I've been battling for the last 10 years. You can overcome these addictions. Don't let devil remind you, say that you're no good. You tried to quit last five years and you couldn't do it. Whatever it may be. God is able to, Amen. You're more than conquering Christ. So don't need to keep putting yourself down in order for God to be big, okay? And so, and I'm thinking like, God is not like Saul. God is not insecure. God is already big. We know that, right? <laughs> He's the Alpha and Omega. And God is not going to become bigger uh, if you shrink yourself. Like, that's already established. We're sinners, right? We're all sinners. Uh, but when we make ourselves feel small, it doesn't acknowledge our humility, uh, humanity, I apologize. So when we make ourselves feel small, we, it doesn't acknowledge our humanity. It reduces the divinity of God. I really, really hope we can really grasp that today. Okay? So when you're putting yourself down, you're reducing the divinity of God within you. All right? So, and... We all know God is not insecure like middle school friends. Right? Yeah. Has to bring somebody down to raise somebody up or to be higher. God is not like that. Religion is like that. Okay? <laughs> but God is not like that. In some cases, in fact, religion treats God like as the worst friend you can have. But Jesus comes in and says, well, actually, I made a way. And now I call you friends. I want you to change the perspective of this. Now, 
I understand some people think that to, to the extremes, they say like, well, now Jesus is my homie. No, Jesus is the son of God. <laughs> so don't go to these extremes. Again, people have a tendency to go extremes. Either Jesus is my homie, yeah, he riding with me wherever I go. Well, no, and then you're living your life however you want to. You're, you're going to hell, man. <laughs> it's true. So we have to understand humility and putting yourself down. There's two different things, okay? Scripture tells us to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And then you can resist the devil and he will flee. Amen. So, but I want to point out the, the, the idea that we don't have to be screwed up and horrible in order for God to be great. Does that make sense? God is always great. Okay. So, but this is how Saul was. Even in early on when, um, in 1 Samuel 17, when he first saw David, this king, before Goliath went down, when Saul saw, saw David, he's like, oh, you're a little boy. You don't, you don't have what it takes. Look, because it says, Saul replied, you're not able to go against the Philistines and fight him. You're only a young man. Another translation in original Israel, it says that you're, only, you're a small dude, really. And he has been a warrior from his youth, like Saul was. So we have to stop gravitating towards familiar phrases that Satan uses to diminish your worth. I really want to point that out. God does not see what we see, okay? He doesn't measure how we measure things. God does not count things like we count, <laughs> right? We're looking at the New Testament, for example, that poor woman, two coins, that's all she got. And Jesus is like, she put in more than anybody. You see what I mean? It's the little things that make the eternal impact. And I love that. We look in our, in our humanity, we look for immediate impact, and God always looks at eternal impact. It's really important to point out, right? God sees things with fresh eyes. And so what I like that in the first Samuel 17, when David shows up to this uh, thing and the Goliath was over there like rambling and all the people are been overcome with fear for 40 days, right? Goliath comes out and just trashes Israel and is like, yeah, nobody's. And then I like that because when you carry God, you have fresh perspective on things. And David shows up. He's got fresh eyes. He looks at the situation from a different perspective, right? <laughs> what we call small, God calls sacred. Amen? And I'm like, Lord, I'm glad. I'm glad that you look at things differently than we do. And the more God's DNA, the more his heart, his kingdom becomes part of our identity, the more we start seeing that. The more we start understanding that, wow, my little word makes an impact. One word, right? Um, everybody that's here today, you're, you're building a legacy. I want to tell you that in your children, even when they're young, even when they're fully not understanding, um, do the impactful things and let God do the math. <laughs> you can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. A lot of people are scared nowadays to raise their children like, well, I'm doing the best I could. That's it. I say, you do your best. God does the rest. Amen. Come on. So take your kids to church. Pray over them before they go to bed. Bless them before you walk out. Put your hands and say, I bless you. Do that. It's not a small thing that you're doing, attending the church, worshiping God, right? Again, we're prioritizing God's presence in this time of season. It's very important. Like never before, while the world is going nuts, we're like going the opposite direction. We're like, man, we're all about kingdom of God. 
I don't know what trouble you're talking about, but I have peace in the midst of a storm. All right? That's why the seed of the word of God, right, it compares. It's very powerful. And when it's properly planted, um, even if it's grafted in into your grief, right, like even if it's part of whatever you're going to, it will give you, uh, it redirects and it gives you opposite effects than what this world tells you, right? So, and one thing, last thing I want to point out, very important is, since we're talking about the little things, um, watching those little words that we speak. And James, uh, in chapter 3, if you want to read the first section, I'm not going to read it right now, but he, he compares, he says, our tongue is like the rudder of a ship. You know, that rudder, people that have boats, right? Or if you've ever been on a cruise ship. I mean, it's a small electronic nowadays they have they can do it electronically as well but boat has a small you know wheel but it takes it turns the whole ship and he's saying that our little things that we say is very important our tongue was like quarter pound thing right small thing all right but it can instill a lasting damage why do kids sometimes remember things from there when they were like six they start talking to them like man out Dad said this to me one time, or I've heard that mom say this to my dad one time, you know? So important that we pay attention to the little things. These little words have huge impact, amen? So it's very important that in time of frustration, I understand, like parents, I'm using that as an example because I'm a parent. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself here, okay? Where I'm like, I've said several times, like, Alita, don't do that. Ryan, don't do that. And then I'm like, stop! <laughs> but catch those moments and say, I should not be overreacting, right? God, is, God doesn't look at things the way we look at them, right? Uh, not with the same perspective of frustration. Because, man, I'm telling you, we disappointed God a long time ago if we thought God was looking at us the way, you know, we're looking at other people. So, last verse, John 6, 9. Here's a boy with, uh, it says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. So, there's 5,000 people gathered. People are hungry. People are hungry. And people are hungry. They are fussy, okay? <laughs> you know that. I mean, I myself, I'm like not a very... Happy camper. Yeah, you're, you're hangry. Hangry? Yeah. When you're hungry and you're angry. <laughs> but we shouldn't be looking from perspectives like, the, you know, the way this the humanity teaches us, right? So in the midst of just wanting to say something, just give it five seconds, take a deep breath and say, Lord, <laughs> give me your perspective on the situation. Because that one little word can be released. You know, you can't take the words back, right? Once you say it, you blabbed it and grabbed it, <laughs> and it's stuck out there, and you're like, why didn't I wait just five more seconds? Put some logic into it. Again, so but look at this. This is, I believe, what God wants to do, and I really want us to end it with this note, all right? So here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? How far? <laughs> that's all that was there. That boy, that's all he had. I think that today the Lord is saying, hey, give me the little things that you have. The little things that you know. If we just did the little things that we should know that we should do, we would grow. We don't really need some great tasks. Like, that's it. I'm going to start a new year with something unrealistic, you know, or whatever. 
Start with the small things. Be faithful in little things. And the gospel tells us so many times, like if you're faithful in little, if you just do that, just see what can happen. That's what the kingdom of God is like. So let's approach our life in an everyday situation right now from a fresh perspective. Amen? Amen? As we walk with God, just like David did, you know, small town, whatever. But when he shows up on the scene of turmoil, chaos, he's like, I know what I'm doing. I think I know what I, why I'm here. I'm not afraid of this guy. You know what I mean? So be faithful in the little things that you do. Be faithful in your work. Be faithful in your marriage. The little steps that you decided to make, do it, you know, and just see what God can do through you. That's exactly what happens here. Jesus is like, oh, that's all you got? That's all I need. That's all I need. I just need your little decision, okay? Amen. What we call small is great to God. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.